What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Jimmy Lamb, back with another edition of the Stoop Podcast. This was our first podcast in a new series that we're going to be recording every Tuesday night. Myself and my buddy Dan Mamalot, Dan Mamajama. We're going to be doing weekly NFL podcasts, so this is the first in that series here. Uh, it's going to be called The End Around. All right, we're going to have a, uh, a couple of good segments here for you guys. Uh, a little bit of everything, and then we'll uh, talk to 84 Footwork as well as he takes a little bit of time out of his studies every week to educate us football fans to be a little bit smarter, know a little bit more about the game. So without further ado, Stu Podcast. Good stuff. Stick around. I'm willing to go to the moon and dabble amongst the stars. Be back by the afternoon. I put on some outfit if you like. I'll train in my nights with a Superman cape and tights. I'll become a humanitarian and I'll give away my anything. By then I mean my everything. So, Dan, it's uh, it's been a while since you've been on the Stoop podcast. You're back, though. You're back. You're better than ever. I'm happy to be back. Football's back. It's been a good year so far. Um, been doing a lot of sports gambling, so I feel like I'm in the know right now. <laughs> I'm not necessarily always winning. But I know what's going on. <laughs> so you're so you're now uh, uh, you've been inspired. You've gone forth and started your own podcast, The Gambling Degenerates. Am I getting that right? Yeah, you are. So uh, yeah, so so we're we're happy to have you on. I think we're going to do this weekly. We came up with a format. I think that will work for us here. Um, so we'll see how this uh, how this plays out. We'll jump right into it though. Our first right, segment. Our first segment here is going to be called the Line of Scrimmage. So basically, this is going to be our our, uh, our power rankings, uh, risers and fallers, the movers and shakers. So the teams that have um, really elevated themselves in the pantheon of, uh, of franchises out there this season and the teams that have uh, plunged further into the abyss after their uh, albatross of a weekend. So, so I guess, um, and I think, you know, Early on, this is going to be a lot more interesting. Uh, a lot of risers, a lot of fallers. We're trying to see when the dust settles what these teams will look like. I'm sure later on down the year, it's going to be a little bit more interesting as we sort of separate the uh, the, the the contenders from the pretenders. Yeah, you know, it's actually it's. I was looking at the power rankings. It's really tough to rank the teams from four, honestly, on to twenty. It's you tough. know, there's there's a lot of there is parity. Uh, in the NFL, shockingly, you know, if you exclude the Bengals and the Dolphins, um, everyone else can can pretty much win on a weekly basis. I think the NFL out of every league is probably the the one with the most parity. Typically, you always see a team rise from, uh, you know, you at least see two teams per conference come out of nowhere and make the playoffs, you know. And I think it's just because you're playing 16 games, you know. And anything can happen. Yeah, and, anything can happen on any given Sunday. Yeah, and you know, I I really think it makes a big difference be, that football is has so many guys playing on the field at one time. Yeah. Um, I think that adds to the nuance of the game, which is I think why a lot of people like it so much. Um, but if you look at basketball, there's only five guys, so one guy actually does make a massive difference. Um, I see whereas, what you're saying. a lot of variability where there's more players. Yeah, whereas in football, yeah. you need everyone to, to be on the same page. So, sure. Um, 
I think that's I think that's part of the reason. Yeah. Um, unless you're the Patriots, where you have like six easy wins a year, and then you get to play the the Giants. Um, and <laughs> the Redskins on a Thursday night game. So, uh, so I guess we'll we'll go back and forth. I'll um, I'll give you my uh, faller first, and um, and then you can hit me with yours, and uh, and then we'll go risers. Sound good? Yeah, it works for me. Cool. I um, personally, I was thrilled to see the Dallas Cowboys get fucking shellacked by. Uh, by the Packers and basically what was a nationally televised game. This game, I don't know if you realize this, Fox on the late slot had this on every single television in America and we saw in HD the Cowboys just lose their shit and get smoked. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful to watch. The score, you re- the score you really doesn't do it, it justice. You yeah, hate, you hate to see you it. You really do. You hate to see it. It's tough to watch. So, I mean, they got smoked by the Packers, who were, by the way, fresh off their loss to the Birds on that Thursday night thriller. Uh, best Thursday night game we've seen in a long time. The Cowboys now fall to 3-2. and two. They lost two straight. They lost that game to the Saints, who were uh, obviously missing Drew Brees, and they, uh, they, they were um, sporting Teddy Bridgewater under center. And now they've lost to the Packers as well. In a pretty sounding defeat, it was, I don't know, they, they really... They got run all over by Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones looked like the second coming of Walter Payton. Oh, my God. Aaron Jones looked phenomenal, and it's it's really surprising to see. Jim, I don't know how this happened, but somehow I have three Cowboys fans that all surround me at work. I have one that sits right next to me and two others that sit very close. So in Packer, I'm outnumbered. In, in Packer country, too. In Packer country, believe it or not. And, you know, I was looking at the schedule, and – they got to play the Saints without Drew Brees, and Devontae Adams didn't play in this game for the Packers. I really expected the Cowboys to come out and win this game pretty handedly, but you know, it turns out Dak is not worth forty million. <laughs> that's and that's what uh, honestly, that's one of the things that you think about. The really the the running talk was when they were beating up these on these bad teams early on here the Giants the the Redskins the the Dolphins uh, that was the first three weeks we were talking about Dak playing his way into a massive contract and now it looks like maybe it's heading the other way 538 it was interesting I I really like their uh their projections I'm I'm a big fan of of their ELO um you know statistics that they run and and they spit out who they think is sort of going to be you know the playoff contenders and whatever uh, anyway, 538 for their playoff and division predictions. They went, check this out. So after week three, they were at 78% and 71% Dallas, right? 78% going to make the playoffs, 71% going to win the division. After the Saints lost, they dropped to 65 and 54. And then after the Packers lost, they dropped to 47 and 39%. 47% chance, basically a coin toss, they're going to make the playoffs. Obviously, it's crazy here in the early going. Um, but I don't know, take that for what it's worth. And the athletic also said, you know, in their rankings, they dropped from all the way from number four to number 11. They were the, the biggest fallers there. So that's my faller. It's trending the same way as Dak Prescott's potential contract. Um, <laughs> Eagles, fan, I, Eagles fans always know where Dak Prescott's contract should have been, uh, should have been sitting, but how about also one, here nor there. one thing to note, which I thought was hilarious, that flag off. Between uh, oh Garrett and the referee. Oh, it's good stuff. Jason Garrett showing a little bit of uh, the clapper. He's uh, he's really getting after it. Showing I a little, still don't know what juice. he does. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm unclear. K- 
Kellen Moore, actually, they, they they were loving Kellen Moore here in the in the early part of the year, the offensive coordinator, and I, that's kind of cooled off a little bit here. They thought they thought that Kellen Moore invented the offense. Oh yeah, because Dak Prescott was thrown all across the field against the the Miami Dolphins, who gave up before the year started. Yeah. So no, you know what? It's you hate to see it, like you mentioned you really before. Do. You really do. But <laughs> I, there's something, and I know I'm biased being an Eagles fan. But I just love seeing Jerry Jones miserable. Like oh, nothing great. brings a bigger smile to my face. When they cut to him in the uh, in the in the uh, press box or whatever, or his uh, owner's box, and he's just uh, so dejected and sullen, uh, makes it really puts a smile on my face. I got to tell you, I love it. So who's your who's your faller here? So no surprise here after Monday Night Football, I got the Browns falling in this, and obviously ah, they were. I know. Tough I know. One. Tough to see Baker Mayfield going down. You know, I tweeted this yesterday. So likable. <laughs> you know, he makes it harder, though, for his re- the rest of his team. Like, he's yeah. constantly telling – I'm getting so sick of him telling people to keep the same energy. Um, he doesn't care what goes on outside of the locker room. It's exhausting. It but, really is. But he keeps talking about it. It's like, Baker, the amount of hype I kept hearing about how the Cleveland Browns were potentially going to the Super Bowl – how with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, they're going to be this incredible team. I, I, I got to tell you, it just annoys me that every week he does this. I got to tell you, I think uh, one thing that uh, has been underscored by the Browns' performance uh, in the early going here is the importance of an offensive line, and that's I think one thing that the Eagles have relied upon here. As uh, all else fails, you can rely on that consistent play of the offensive line, um, and one thing that the uh, the Browns just don't have at this point. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty pedestrian up front there with the with the hogs, and I, you know, you could have all the skilled players in the world, but it's really not going to help if you don't have the big boys up front. And you know, like I, I'm not like a football analyst or anything, but it seems like the the best teams always have good O lines and D lines, and that I mean, you can't do anything if you have. It doesn't matter how good Odell is, um, if you don't have enough time to throw down the field, as we saw with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have enough time to throw down the field, it doesn't matter how good your playmakers are. Um, no. And, dude, they are terrible. That yeah, offensive line looking is good. awful. They're not looking good. And despite the talent on defense, you know, they, they've been giving up a lot of points as well. So, uh, you know, something needs to change there. I don't know if it's, um, you know, it's a shame because Kitchens is in his first full year as a head coach there. And honestly, hasn't hasn't looked a whole lot better than Hugh Jackson, which is uh, was a laughing stock last year. So... I don't know what what gives there. By the way, as we're sitting here recording this, the uh, the Sixers are making their preseason debut. I got an alert from Bleacher Report. Ben Simmons makes a three the moment the internet's been no waiting way. for. No way. You heard it here first. You heard it oh here first. Oh my god, that's a. I saw that that tweet where they showed the um, starting dancing, five. Going to be dancing down Broad Street. Oh my god! I just I'm trying to like contain my excitement, but that. That starting five, it, it's like the it made it move a little bit. It it's made like the, it move a little bit, I'll be like honest. The, it's, like the, it's like the Monstars, man. They should have just, in in, uh, in Space Jam 2, they should have just stuck the Sixers as, as LeBron's opponent. Oh, my God. And and the fact that I don't have to worry about Al Horford just hitting trailing threes in my face anymore, like just, 
if if we did nothing but just make sure that he can't play against us, I'd be fine with that. Give him a hundred million to just sit on the bench. And Nick and Nick, who we're gonna get on here uh, for a little segment uh, in, in in the middle here, we're gonna splice it in. Uh, Nick has also texted me nothing but net. Ben Simmons just jilted three. So the the, the three pointer in the pre series season heard around the world. So you love you really love to see that. Um, so, how long is um. How long is Greeny going to talk about this tomorrow? Oh, I don't uh, know. Tomorrow morning. Oh, I don't know. Uh, WIP has their content for the the whole day. Oh the, my god, the, the week. The, the local the local sports station here in uh, in in Philadelphia. They're they're gonna they're gonna have their content the whole day. So my my to get back on track, my riser here uh, is also not going to strike anyone by surprise. It's the Indianapolis Colts who eked one out over Kansas City. Anytime you go into Kansas City on a nationally televised game which it was last night, and beat the shit out of them behind Marlon Max, 29 carries for a buck 32. They now go to 3-2. and two. Tough losses against the Chargers. That was in week one in overtime, which, by the way, they had uh, Andrew Luck retire like an hour before the kickoff. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they also lost a tough, tough one against Oakland, who, uh, who you might talk about in a second here. Uh, so I, I don't know. Indianapolis Colts were really impressive to me. I think they got a pretty good defense. Uh, they can really run the ball. They have Jacoby Brissett, who can do a variety of different things. They got Frank Wright, who I think is a sort of a, a, an attractive um, – gray beard uh but Steph disagrees with me I actually think he's a good looking dude the former offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles she begs to differ he's got that you know what he's got that rugged look you got to be into it but you know I, I, th- I see I it. think he's, he's a good looking like- dude I think he's a silver fox I gotta tell you I think he's got that yeah. quality about him no I agree I agree and I think he's, he's done coach. a phenomenal job good yeah coach. think about what happened at the end of the preseason with Andrew Luck just walking out and not playing anymore insane which by the, the way like that, good for him you know but yeah oh I agree yeah I mean you got to think of your your life after football I mean it's not worth um you know your quality of life after you're done this plus he's made enough money like he doesn't yeah. need money maybe he can finally get an iPhone who knows yeah I'm getting crazy here who knows but um, yeah, that was impressive, especially um, the Chiefs holding them to 13 points. I'll be honest, I bet that game. I bet the Colts plus 11. Um, mm. But I will never bet against the Chiefs again. Even if I think the Chiefs are not going to cover a spread, it's too much anxiety watching them go up and down the field the entire game. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they're you still, do it. You know, they, were, they had tons of opportunities, and luckily the Colts um, – they buckled down. One thing I will also say is, I can't stand the Kansas City Chiefs TV. It gives I just it my brain can't <laughs> fathom the fact that there's no edges on the TV. It's just a circular TV that makes no sense. It's no good. A TV needs edges, it's and no you know that's if anyone's listening to this, um, that's the type of analysis you get from me. <laughs> worrying about the TV. <laughs> All right, so uh, who's your uh, who's your riser here? So, you mentioned this before, but I I really like the Raiders. Um, the if you look, Raiders, yeah, especially after their off after their off season with the whole Antonio Brown saga, they lost Khalil Mack last year. Revenge game against Khalil Mack here. Yeah, I know. And did you hear that uh, that he took a dig at the the Bears locker room where they have the club no, dub? What happened? No, so he mentioned, he's like, I don't have a disco ball in here, but let's go dancing. 
because apparently in uh, Chicago they do like club dub where after wins they have like a disco ball and they all go like it's basically like a nightclub after they win games. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I I don't know if he did it knowing that. I think he did, but it was a it was a nice little shot at the Bears, but shot across it, the bow. I know, seriously. Um that's that's why you never bet London games. You just have no idea what's going to happen. They almost did screw it. But uh, they came back. They still won the game. If you look at their losses, the only teams they've lost to are the Chiefs and the Vikings, who are, are really good teams. Mm-hmm. They've beaten the Colts, who just had a big win themselves. They beat the Bears, who were supposed to be really good this year. Um, and they beat the Broncos, who just manhandled the Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said San Diego. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you look at their wins and losses, they're that's – they're a pretty good team, and both the Raiders and the Colts, I think they're in that camp of teams where you know they could win any any given week and they can lose any given week. So it's yeah. uh, wide a wide uh, wide range of teams in that in that camp. Absolutely. So uh, you want to hear? Uh, th- this is our first our first Jim should not be playing fantasy football moment of the podcast. <laughs> I uh, I got a little excited and I started uh, Miles Sanders ahead of uh, Josh Jacobs oh, for no. my fantasy team, and Josh Jacobs, of course, goes off. I thought I, I, my my thought process was, you know what? Maybe Josh break or Josh Jacobs gets slowed down against that Bears defense, which is supposed to be a vaunted, you know, vaunted Bears defense. Let me sit him. Miles Sanders will go off for the first time. He's been catching a lot of passes. Eagles offense is going to look good today. It didn't work out for me. It just didn't happen for me. I lost yeah, against I, I lost I, against Michael. <laughs> my younger brother. Tough. Just the worst. That's tough. Uh, tough, and that's, tough stuff. Yeah, that hurts the ego a little bit. Um, I'm in this I think we both have the same um, thought process. All I kept hearing about training camp, out of training camp was how good Miles Sanders was. How he was going to take over the lead too. role. That's all I heard. Yeah, him and, now, and Dallas yeah. Goddard. Yeah, I, I the, both of those guys. Like, I don't want to listen about them again. Dallas Goddard said he was the fourth best tight end in the league. Yeah, um, Hasn't and done he can't shit. even catch wide open passes. Yeah, yeah he can't even catch it's, wide it's open. It's tough. Passes. He's been hobbled by injuries, but like the Miles Sanders stuff. I mean, the one week where he was fumbling every time he touched the ball was tough. Um, and I, I, Jordan Howard actually has looked pretty good. He's been pretty productive given the carries that he that he's gotten. And I think moving forward, it seems like according to Doug Peterson's comments in a presser, that uh, Jordan Howard is going to earn the lion's share of the carries, which he has deserved. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he's he's definitely earned it. And from everything I've read, it seems like that Miles Sanders does a little bit too much dancing, which um, he doesn't. Hit, uh, yeah, you know, Jordan, he doesn't really run it up there uh, too much. I don't know. Does a little but I will. One thing I will say about Miles Sanders. Let's not get too depressed about him. If you look at Lashawn McCoy's rookie stats, they're mm-hmm. pretty similar to what Miles Sanders is kind of projecting to yeah. to have. So if yeah. he figures out like the right situations where he can um, make the right cuts, um, then you know it's too early to to write him off. Yeah, I'm, I'm and he definitely. Can catch. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm. I, I'm not saying it, it's all is all is over, but we'll 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 see how it goes. 
Okay, so that was our that was our uh, line of scrimmage there. Our uh, our power rankings, risers and fallers. So we're going to be doing that every week. Coming up next here, we have the bump and run. These are going to be smaller storylines that we see throughout the week. Um, we'll run through this pretty rapid fire here. It's going to be bump and run. Um, number one here, Sam Darnold, who uh, we were lucky enough to play against Luke uh, Luke Falk. Falk? What, what was his name? <laughs> Luke Dude. Falk, yeah. Wait, uh, all kidding aside though, Colin Kaepernick, he takes that film from that guy playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, and that is evidence against the arbitration, or for the arbitration against the NFL, correct? Like he has to show that to, you know, to in, in court saying, exhibit A. Like, I should be on an NFL team getting paid by someone somewhere. It was insane. Yeah, that that guy was terrible. That guy Awful. Was, I mean, and I know we had 10 sacks, and I know a lot of it can be attributed to the offensive line for the Jets, but he held on to the ball for way too long the entire game. Oh, it was atrocious. It was, I mean, he was just waiting. Oh, atrocious. Yeah, never, it, was bad. it was really, really bad. Uh, but Sam Darnold, who has had mono uh, because he's a second grader, since uh, I, I don't know, he's had it for a couple of months here. He, he hasn't been able to play on the field, play because when you have mono. Now I've never had mono. Have you had mono? I have not. Okay, neither one of us kiss anyone. So <laughs> Sam Darnold. Only my mother. If you have mono and you go out there, um, your spleen is enlarged, so you can rupture your spleen. You could fucking die on the football field if you get hit the wrong way. Shout out uh, Chris Sims. I think he actually ruptured his spleen in a game for the Buccaneers. Wait, actually, fun fact. I think I've ruptured a kid's spleen in high school lacrosse. (laughs) Playing against, no, playing against a kid from Episcopal. He dove in the crease and I I hit him and I ruptured his spleen. And I didn't even know until the next time we played Episcopal. We were going out to the field. We're all signing a card. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. Who's this for? They said, oh, some kid on the other team. He had his spleen ruptured last time we played. I was like, oh, my God, that's insane. They're looking at me like you, you idiot, you asshole. You're the one who did it. I should. You almost been, murdered someone. Should have been standing there. You know, to should. be honest, though, knowing that he was from Episcopal, he probably deserved it. Probably did. <laughs> probably did. I think he actually wound up going to Dickinson. I think he was friends with uh, a couple of our Penn Charter friends out in Dickinson. But anywho, so damn Sam Darnold is uh, is clear to uh, to start. Is it, it's way too late though for the Owen Four Jets. The ship has sailed. You know what? We we just did the risers and fallers. No bigger riser after this week than Sam Darnold's spleen because he would have died. <laughs> he would have died on that field. We did. We did. We we did. Uh, we did talk about that. Yeah. Sam Sam Darnold. His his spleen is one hundred. He actually would have died. He would have been KO'd. The, this the Eagles pinned their ears back and and got after the quarterback. Finally, this uh, this past week, that Jets that Jets team left a lot to be desired on the field. You know that that's one of those where. Have you ever um, like accidentally driven through a red light and then you're afterwards you make it fine but your heart stops? That's I think that's how <laughs> Sam Darnold felt after this week. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So uh, anywho, Gronk is also now a studio uh, personality for Fox. He's going to be doing the studio show before Giants Patriots. What do you think there, Dan? Um, I, I just wonder how many times he's going to spike the football on uh, on TV. How many times do you think they're asking him to spike the football? Uh, they're gonna have to do a couple of bits where he's spiking some shit. I, I they they gotta. I mean, how do you use a guy like Gronk? It's kind of like how Shaq is with the studio show and TNT. I think it's gonna be a while before they actually play to his strengths, right? I would think. 
Yeah, I've heard him do interviews before, and he's just, you know, he's not the sharpest tool in this shed. No, he's just a but fun I'm, dude. Yeah, he is. So he'll he'll have some funny comments. Um, it depends if they know how to, if they understand his shtick. Like he can't he can't speak seriously. No, like, he's there's the, no he, way. He's the dude. You know what I would do with him? I would send him out to the field before the game. Like to primetime games and have him interact with fans and like, you know, talking with them, interviewing people like that's the kind of shit that I would want him doing. You know, I would want him in the road outside the studio doing stuff like that. Oh, you know what I just thought of? Put him in the booger mobile. Bring it back. Just (laughs) have him ride the booger mobile. He'd be hilarious. So bad. So we were talking about Kaepernick before. How about the how about Mason Rudolph, another guy who looked like he honestly died on the field with the injury uh, that he suffered against? Uh, who was it against the? Um, oh, it was, it was, Earl, against, it was the, against the Ravens, right? He got yeah, sandwiched. I think it was Earl Thomas who came up and, and drilled him, and it was honestly it looked kind of looked kind of shady. But Mason Rudolph was motionless on the field for a little while. They had to take his face mask off and they carted him off the field. He looked like he was playing in 1950. Um, Terrible. Now Devlin Hodges is their starter with Paxton Lynch as his backup. That's their depth chart. That's and, disgusting. And, and, and to kick it all off, they got Jalen Samuels, their running back, who they've been running the Wildcat with, him and uh, Connor. He's out for yeah. a month. They're depleted. That's beautiful for me because I have James Connor. But um, <laughs> one quick comment about Mason Rudolph. That's it's a terrible look that they took off his face mask and they kept his helmet on. He just looks so dumb. That's that's I, I guess that's I guess that's protocol. You want I don't know why the face mask needs to be off, but he had to be. I, I saw this in a tweet. He had to be confused as shit when he woke back up. Could you imagine? Could you he imagine you go to sleep before you, you, he hit the ground? You, I know, I know. He was he was limp. Like his his fingers. You actually saw his fingers were like kind of contorted in a way where like it was like you could tell that he was just out of it. And it was it was scary, man. That Mason Rudolph injury was pretty scary. There was another one like that this week too. I feel like they're happening more often. Yeah, you think with these targeting penalties, it happened less. I mean, all and all joking aside, yeah, it that was a uh, that was hard to watch. Um, yeah. Him just being knocked out before he hits the ground, yeah. super scary. One thing I don't understand is like what happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers cart. Like, why would they have to walk? Them I don't know. Yeah, that was that was strange. They had to walk them off the field because the cart was out. That's weird. But, figure it out. But honestly, like you're really going to go into this next week with Devlin Hodges, who was undrafted out of Samford, I think. Not Stanford, Samford. And Paxton Lynch as the backup, who's now flunked out of two – off two different rosters. Yeah. Who, who, was, actually, be, who, was, beaten, who was beaten off the Seattle roster by uh, – I think it was uh, – what's his face? The kid who played for the Jets, uh, Gino, Gino Atkins. Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Gino yeah. Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> Paxton Lynch is one of the worst first round quarterbacks ever drafted. Uh, that's pretty terrible. What John Elway was thinking doesn't make sense. He had to be he had to be on cocaine or something when he drafted him. Oh my god. But I will defend Devlin Hodges a little bit. He didn't look bad against the Ravens after he took over. Yeah, but he, s- still it's like what are we doing, dude? I you know what? I there's got to be something else too. Like maybe Kaepernick really just can't throw the ball anymore. Because maybe he doesn't want to play. I don't know. That, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of is that he really legitimately does not want to be on a roster. But it doesn't make sense to me. No, I agree because there's so many awful. I mean, Luke. Like I hate to go back to Luke Falk, but Luke Falk. A horrible, like, horrible. He had no business know, being on the field. How is? I guess your only thing is like you just don't want the questions. You don't want the. You don't want the attention. You don't want the media. I mean, like. 
I, I was going over like old Kaepernick headlines in preparation for this pop podcast, and I mean, he was doing some crazy shit. I mean, he wore the Fidel Castro T-shirt, where he was pissing people off. There, he was. He wore the pair of socks that had uh, pigs as police. So he was like really doing some aggressively. It wasn't just the kneeling, you know. He was also doing other shit to piss people off. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you take him for just his play, like he one thousand percent should be on a roster. Oh, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. But I will, you know, what you just mentioned before, you know, it's kind of like the Tim Tim Tebow effect. Like, is it worth? You know, teams just don't want to deal with I, those headlines that... Yeah, for a backup yeah. quarterback, I guess not. And then you got half the fan base who hates it, and then the other half of the fan base is clamoring for him to get in the game. So, I, I don't know. It could be tough. But, like, I, I, I don't see how you could roll into the next game as the Steelers with Mike Tomlin as your coach, and you're, like, sitting there at, what are they, 1-3 and three or, or whatever it is, 1-4. They're bad. They're pretty bad. and like 1-3. and 1-4. Take a yeah. shot, man. Well, and, you know... Mike Tomlin is someone that has, like, dealt with Antonio Brown before, so he's dealt with like personality. Personality, so, sure, sure. Yeah, veteran, so veteran head coach could be the perfect situation, I think. I mean, he brought in Michael Vick too after the Eagles had him. Exactly. Which is totally, totally a completely different situation. But I don't know. I, I, I just, I find it hard to believe that Kaepernick isn't on a roster by now, given some of the quarterback play that we've witnessed over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, anywho. That's um oh the last thing here uh for for bump and run our smaller storyline segment uh Nick Bosa we were talking about the Browns earlier Nick Bosa as uh, his flag plant revenge I know you watch college football and uh, I love it this goes all the way back to uh, their uh, Ohio State Oklahoma rivalry where Baker was waving the flag at um at Ohio State's field right and planted it in the in the middle of the field. And then Nick, yeah, Nick, Bosa, Nick Bosa sacked him and then did the whole uh, celebration, right? Yeah, I, I, I like the celebration. And honestly, it's in, it's in good jest. You know, like, I, I don't think Baker can be upset about it. I mean, what Baker did at Ohio State was so much more disrespectful, just planting an Oklahoma flag in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. a la, almost similar to Terrell Owens doing oh, yeah. his yeah. celebration on the star. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I I like that. I like that, and I think Ozzy Baker is the type of guy that he kind of tries to make it himself out to be. Like I think almost he's got to respect it. Yeah, talking about the guy that Baker is, uh, there was some controversy here because Richard Sherman after the game said Baker wasn't didn't want to shake hands or something with the captains out in the middle of the field in the pregame. But you actually wrote this on our outline, and I I then looked it up on Twitter. There are multiple videos disproving whatever Richard Sherman's trying to say. So I don't know if there was some words that were exchanged that maybe upset Richard Sherman, but they definitely had a handshake before the game. Yeah, the the one thing, you couldn't really tell if Baker shook or dapped uh, Richard Sherman, but he looked like he dapped every single person on the he definitely 49ers dapped team. Him. He definitely dapped them up. I mean, it, it, this, yeah. is silly. this is silly, but I, I don't know why... Baker just seems like a cloud is just following this dude at this point, and um, it's kind of it's kind of a shame. I don't know. I mean, Richard Sherman, he's it's not like he's he's got his own little. Oh yeah, he's got a full closet. Yeah, yeah. he he's he's had controversy follow him around as well. He's not he's certainly uh, not a tame personality. He's he's been outspoken throughout his career, and I think honestly he it's my brother uh, eighty four footwork who we're gonna have on in a little bit in a segment. Uh, 
he posted a highlight video from I think it was Edelman. No, it wasn't Edelman because they didn't play each other. They played uh, it must have been uh, Jarvis Landry or somebody like that. But Richard Sherman was on the highlight tape, and somebody commented under there, "Richard Sherman's always making somebody's highlight tape these days." <laughs> so my my man's <laughs> my man's getting burnt left and right all day long. He is not what he used to be. Uh, so that does it for bump and run. That's our smaller storyline segment. And uh, coming up next here, we have the scripted offense, which is going to be a major conversation relevant to some theme that we pick week to week. I thought, I don't know, I thought for our first podcast here, it might make some sense to talk about some of this pass interference rule challenging stuff that's going on here. I, I don't know if it's really working, to be honest with you. We've seen the Eagles-Packers game, uh, which happened last week, right, that Thursday night game. Seem to be a lot of uh, a lot of I don't know inconsistency with the way that it's called, the way that flags are picked up. You don't really know when you threw the flag, even though it might look like a pass interference. If it's not obvious enough, it might not actually be called. There was a couple situations where they were face guarding, and it didn't really work out for them. There was a call against T.Y. Hilton on Monday night where it was a rub route where T.Y. Hilton really didn't do anything wrong. Was also within the you know a yard of the line of scrimmage, which should be totally legal. Right. And, yet, and yet he was called for a pass interference. Um, it's just, it really, it doesn't seem to be working. And I don't know what the goal was here, but I don't think they're accomplishing whatever it was. I mean, it, it all stems from, obviously, that New Orleans call, the non-call. But it's such an overreaction. Sure. Like, the one, people forget the fact that Drew Brees had the ball first in overtime in that game. So let's just not blame the entire thing on that one bad call. Yeah. Um but, yeah, you know, in my mind, if you slowed down something far enough, you could always find someone hitting someone, the timing yeah. not being right. You could always find some sort of penalty happening. To a millisecond. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if a guy – if a defender gets to a receiver by a hair early, mm-hmm. it's it happens. Like, it happens both ways. Um, I think it slows down the game way too much. I don't think they're um, – reversing enough you know they're not reversing the calls anyway so just just get rid of it although i will say it did definitely benefit the eagles after seeing those slow-mos of uh, craig james um on that last interception it definitely looked like um he got there a little bit early but you know that's i mean that's gonna happen i don't know um, yeah, I, I, it's it it's really it's really tough. I think, um, and there's also you know what's also interesting is that uh, they've also backed themselves into a corner with this. I thought a, a play that was really compelling was the one where Aguilar uh, he got he had a couple of PIs called. He and Wentz really weren't on the same page going deep in this last game here against the Jets. Uh, he was open down the field a lot, and they just couldn't connect for whatever reason. But the timing seemed to be off, and on one play in particular. Aguilar sprints past a Jets defender who I guess grabs him and it's clear illegal contact down the field. Now, the thing is, Wentz hadn't let go of the ball yet, so they weren't able to call a pass interference after the fact. But also, you can't be challenging a call for illegal contact down the field. So they, even though they knew by looking at the replay, this is a penalty, a clear penalty, and they should benefit from this. They had to pick the penalty up. It's just not, it just doesn't make sense. So either you make everything reviewable and you put some clear guidelines onto, 
you know, how often should things be challenged? How often should we be stopping the game? Do we have a ref up in the, you know, in New York who can give us the calls? Uh, it, there just needs to be some consistency here. It's very confusing to me as a fan. Yeah, and also some of these take way too long to when they're very clear and obvious to anyone watching. Some of these take way too long to either overturn or have the call stand. It just ruins the flow of the game. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't I, like it. I'm personally all for getting the calls right. So if that means more challenges, great. But I, I agree with you. It can't, it can't interrupt the flow of the game. Uh, but I also think it's silly that you put the onus on the coach to correct a ref's mistake like I think if it's egregious enough and a ref another ref recognizes that then they should have the ability to say let's let's go into the hood and challenge this you know like it shouldn't be on a coach if you used two challenges and then there's a third situation where everyone in the stadium knows that the ref's fucked up but you don't have a challenge to reverse it that's kind of insane to me that the, that the play would stand you know what I mean like that's that's kind yeah, of no. crazy to me well, especially when they keep talking about how New York's reviewing this. Like, if New York's reviewing it, they should be reviewing every single play. And if it's something that's egregious and clear, just radio just, down to the referees. Just say, hey, you know, I know no one's challenging this, but this is completely wrong. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I, I, it's it's one of those situations where I wonder if we would have a better – a better uh, – I don't know, a, 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 a better way of doing things if we teared everything down and started it fresh. There are some other bizarre rules that I wanted to get off my chest as we're talking about refs that I wanted to uh, to bring up that are that are just completely bizarre that I think they should be changed by rule or you could also maybe see them reversed. I think, number one, this is everybody's favorite, the reversed fumble touchback thing. When, you, when you're diving for the pylon and the ball falls out of your hands and it goes into the end zone and falls out of bounds and then the defense gets rewarded the ball even though you could have just it could have slipped out of your hands they might not have even done anything that's that's yeah. bizarre to me yeah that's that's a t- I, I can't Such believe a that's rule. still a rule like how is that still a rule do with you think, do all you, these other changes they've made do you think it should be a reverse touchback that, I, that I've seen that proposed and that's kind of my favorite thing is that the offense now gets the ball you know loss of down balls at the 20 type of thing or which in that case you would have the chance to go for three you know go for a field goal or um the offense gets the ball loss it down where you fumbled or the defense gets the ball now where you fumbled um it's all interesting to me i don't know yeah i i don't think it should be a, a touchback where the offense goes back all the way to the 20 seems like way too much definitely should be some sort of penalty but maybe just call it Loss of downs. Yeah, just, it's just a loss of downs. And where um, where you originally, I guess maybe where you originally took the snap, loss of down, yeah, go back to where exactly. you originally took the snap. I, I, that really wouldn't be a too bad a rule. The other thing that's weird, Nick and I were just talking about this, is the onside kicks, which I I gotta see the numbers, but there's probably a conversion rate of like less. There has to be less than one percent, right? Well, I I think, I, I mean, maybe I'm I may be misspeaking, but. I think they were saying in the Cowboys game that not a single onside kick has been returned yet. So I would like to see more opportunities for onside kicks to be returned. I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do away with it altogether, you know? Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting if they did something to make it more possible. I mean, they moved the, um, the extra point back five yards, which has made a difference, has made it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Do a similar thing with onside kicks. I mean – if um, 
the you know it actually would have really affected the uh, the Cowboys Packers game. But if a team's coming back, give them a make it a little bit easier for them to be able to get that onside kick. I think it would make it a lot more interesting. Yeah, I mean, what about just giving the offense, you know, the ball with 10 yards to go or something like that and saying, you know, you got to get a first and two downs and or, you know, you turn it over. Something something like that, something drastic, you know, where, I mean, even the onside kicks, for them to even be a thing given the changes that we've had to protect players and the fact that the onside kick is literally just you popping the ball up in the air and everyone is taught to just run at the guys in the first line. But they've actually taken away the running head start. So you're starting from a standstill and just running 10 yards to try to blow up who's ever in the front line on the onside's kick recovery team so that the other guys can come in and clean up the scrum and get the ball. It's just a really da- – first of all, it's a dangerous play. It makes zero sense because it's been disadvantaged by the rule changes – and, you know, you want to see more exciting finishes. I think actually basketball has a similar issue with the fouls at the end of the game. I think it's just not fun to watch, but that's just me personal, personally. I mean, there's other things too. Go ahead. Do you have something? Yeah. I, one comment about the basketball. Yeah. I, the last two minutes of a basketball game, if it's close, take like 30 minutes. And that's I would horrible. love to see that end. It's terrible. I don't, know, I don't know how they change it, but it needs to be changed. It's just really not a fun game to watch, but that's just well, me. You know, so the you've heard of the basketball tournament where they have yeah. like just the yeah. oh yeah so they, what they they play to a score after a little while, right? Yeah. So what they do is if a team reaches a certain score, um, I think it's a certain score after a certain time period, they just yeah. add on eight points. So um, first first one to score the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I mean that'd be very interesting. I would love to see that in the NBA. That'd but be cool. One, one um, NFL penalty, the 10-yard holding penalties, I think that's I think that's too much. I mean, there's holding penalties just kills on drive. so many plays. Yeah, I mean, kills the, the drive completely. The drive's dead after that. Um, and if they really are trying to see more scoring and stuff, I th- it, that seems like an easy, an easy thing. I I mean, it'd almost be better if you had a loss of downs and a five-yard loss, because I, I would be more into that. To be honest with you, I'd be more into that. Because I mean. Think about it. You have a solid run or a pass play um, that gets you a first down, but there was a holding call. Then you go back to first and twenty. Um, it just it, it completely ruins the drive. It, and, and and on the inverse, in the inverse, what kills a drive for a defense is if you just got a great stop and you uh, you got a hit on the quarterback, force it incomplete, and they call some bullshit roughing the passer because you got a little too low on the tackle there. And they're gonna. There was a play I saw. I think it was uh, one of the Steelers guys got a little low on Lamar Jackson. They threw the flag, and it's completely the, the drive. You know, gets extended because of some subjective rule that a that a ref blows. You know, the whistle. Yeah, and you know, I for these defensive ends and defensive tackles, like, what are you supposed to do? They're running full speed. Know. They're trying to get through offensive tackles. Can't so land on them. You got, Can't land on the quarterback. Got, well, the one penalty on the Packers where the guy hit Dak on the side of the helmet didn't affect it at all. Yeah. Um, and that was – yeah, that was – The one with the Rams too, uh, Clay Matthews, uh, where where they had the uh, – it was a pretty big play, right? Clay Matthews and uh, got a hit. I think they played – what, they played the, the Russell Wilson, right, on Thursday night? Yeah, they did, yeah. And uh, Clay Matthews came in. This was like the last one of the last drives of the game, and had a pretty good stop. And it looked like a totally clean hit, and they ruled it as a roughing the passer. It's just, it's got to be too much. 
Clay Matthews is always getting screwed with the roughing the passer penalties. Yeah. I actually kind of – they should just have a rule where they just call roughing the passer on Clay Matthews just because it's funny. <laughs> just start out with with, <laughs> with three rough, rushing the pa- or roughing the passers that they're going to call against Clay Matthews throughout the game. Yeah, he, he just knows that when the game starts, so he might as well get him out of the way early. Just rough the passer anyway because he's going to get three called on him. Yeah. So that's – so that's so that's our our, our scripted offense. Um, the, uh, the 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 major conversation of the week. It's really the stripes uh, at this point. Uh, some some confusing stuff that's going on there. We would love to get sorted out. Take a quick break. I think we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna splice in here uh, a segment that I'm gonna do with Nick. I'm gonna call him after uh, afterwards here, called Bring Your Playbook, where we're gonna have 84 footwork come on, do some chalk talk, teach. Some of the uh, some of the, the the football fans who want to get a little bit smarter in uh, in knowing the game, their knowledge of the game. So, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I have a seat right here in this chair as long as it's not wet. No, it's not. I'm in the yard. There you go. It's a little chill down tonight. Shit. All right, so we uh, we we have Nick on uh, 84 footwork. We he's kind enough to join us, take a little bit of time out of his studies. I know last year we were doing these. Weekly podcast where we were making our picks. I have no idea who won that, by the way. Who 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 had more successful picks? I think I was more generally more successful. I think I was more successful, but you stopped counting because I was. More successful. <laughs> I think that's horseshit. I think you were. I think <laughs> nah, you were my actually. Picks were awful. You were actually terrible. You yeah, were, you were actually bad. terrible. Well, the, that's why I don't bet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's ironically though. Yeah. A lot of those were just. I was basically with the blindfold. I didn't know who was going to win. Ironically, when I do that on my tests, I do end up picking the right answer. So I got all my wrong answers out there last year. So I got rid of my wrong answers. Now, more, more often than not, I pick the right answer. Now you're in business. So, and that's that's why uh, that's why actually you're not able to do this with uh, with us full time here because you're you're a full time student these days. Your head's buried in the books, but you're kind enough to join us for a segment we're going to call "Bring Your Playbook" with Correct. eighty with four make- footwork here. I'll always make room for football. Always make room for football. So a little bit of chalk talk here. I wanted to get you on. Every week we're going to talk a little bit of uh, we're going to talk X's and O's. We're gonna we're gonna get a little bit smarter as football fans. I think you have a lot of knowledge up in the 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 noodle there, and we want to pry that out of you. So I think this week for our first segment here, we were going to talk offensive sub packages. Okay. So so explain to me. We hear these terms, this this terminology thrown around all the time in different articles on on TV, whatever the case may be. Eleven and twelve and twenty, mm-hmm. twenty one, twenty two. Explain to me what all that means. Yeah, so <clears throat> it seems difficult, seems tricky, but it's really not that bad. Uh, the two numbers are basically they're two digits, and they stand for two different positions, and so. The first number stands for however many running backs you have in your package that's on the field at that current time. Mm -hmm. And then the second number stands for how many or denotes how many tight ends are on the field Mm -hmm. for that particular personnel. So, for instance, 11 personnel, as I just told you, the first digit is running back. So you have one running back in the formation. Mm -hmm. And then your second digit is also a one. So you have one tight end Mm -hmm. in in the formation. So that would be one one tight end, one running back, and then the rest is filled by receivers. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some teams, I guess, could potentially fill with, I don't know, some other things that they have. H-back we were just talking about a second ago, Jim. I, I, I think an H-back would be 
Be see, we didn't qualify numbers. Yeah, I, I would, think it'd be I considered think 12. Count another H back is another. Um, see, it gets a little bit tricky, but I think you would sure. count that as another tight end. So sure. technically, if you had an H back out there, you had a tight end out there and a running back, I would call that 12 personnel. Two tight ends, one running back. So, which, which is what you I mean, ran. Really that was your base formation. You were just saying for Muhlenberg was was twelve personnel. Correct. I mean, when you call base formation, that was our base. That was called the base formation. But when I think base, I think our our most frequent formation. Yeah. That's what I think of when I hear base. So I think some of these terms are a little bit uh, sure. misleading. I guess base would be your bigger package, but I think base and our 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 main formation was um, we called it Trey, and so that's actually. Uh, that was actually 11 personnel, which so is, which is pretty consistent, Nick, with what you see across the rest of the, the, the league. So right now, yeah. it, right now in 2019, I actually have something bookmarked here that I'll share in the show notes. Uh, 11 personnel has used 62% of the snaps across the league so far here in 2019. That's the most by far. Um, and the teams that are, that are lead the league with that is Cincinnati at 84% LA Rams, they're famous for this. They're, you know, McVeigh runs a lot of 11 personnel. They're at 80%. Cleveland runs about 78%. So, and then 12 is the next highest grouping at only 18%. So, and 21 is, is further down at 8%. So, 11 by far is the most, uh, the most snaps that you see here throughout the rest of the league. At, yeah, I think. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just, I think that you're most dynamic from an 11 personnel standpoint because. Mm-hmm. You know, you can throw, you can pass equally. You have the tight end that can stay in as a blocker or he can Mm -hmm. be detached and you can be creative and do some things from there. I think one of the coolest things that I followed last year was, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had a a series of posts along uh, last year's season Mm -hmm. where he would just highlight some plays that McVay ran with the Rams Mm -hmm. and how he was able to find so much so much success with that offense is because he kept it so basic and did so many things from one formation, one personnel. So you never knew what to expect. You could you couldn't scout against it. Yeah. So you have literally that you line up in the same formation every single time. There's a lot of variety, yeah. and just you have twenty different plays from that one yeah. formation. So I think that makes it uh, makes you most dynamic. And like we just, I think you have that 11 personnel you're you, you can do different things yeah um it's actually funny yeah. i tried to do that they now have the feature where you can have a playbook in madden i haven't played the newest madden or i played <laughs> it one time but i try to make my playbook a lot like that i was like you know what i'm just gonna take one formation i'm just gonna run a million different plays from it it yeah. didn't work out quite like <laughs> has, it, has it working for the rams but uh it was I'll, close it was close i'll try it again it was close I, uh, yeah, it's funny you say that because, yeah, I, I think uh, being unpredictable is, is important when it comes to these personnel groupings because you look at something like, uh, like, like there, there are interesting outliers across the, across, the, um, across the league. Like, for instance, Arizona runs 10 personnel, which would be um, one running back and, and zero tight ends there. Uh, they run that 51% of the time, and the next highest team is, like, ridiculously lower than that. Um, you gotta, you got to think that they're passing out of that a wide majority of the time, right? Which as a defense, you can react to that and put more defensive backs on the field. Well, yeah, you would think that. And that's here. I mean, that's when it gets, um, but then you have Kyler Murray, right? Yeah. That that's, that's where you kind of get to play with it a little bit because you know, the defense is, and we'll talk about in a different segment. I don't think you have a plan for today, but then the defense tries to match what you put out there. Right. So you have your, you know, like you just said, they run 10 personnel. They have four receivers out there, one running back. The defense is going to try to match that. The defense might come out with dime. 
And so you have some guys out there that aren't great at tackling. So now you can run the option up the middle. You yeah. run spread yeah. formation, two receivers to each side. Sure. Um, and, you know, and then you run an option up the middle and you don't have guys that can really tackle as well clogging up that middle. So I think you can be really creative with what you put out there. And I think it, longer the days where, you know, you have, uh, let's say, three tight ends out there on the field. Sure. And, the, and it's an automatic run. I don't think that that occurs anymore. So I have I, I have a multifaceted question here. So uh, you're 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 you were kind of hinting at this with Arizona and Kyler Murray. Um, what as a receiver at Muhlenberg, which grouping did you prefer over another? Did you like Trey, which was your eleven personnel, the the best? Um, does it depend on matchup? Does it de- depend on your teammate skills? Which which uh, formation were you more partial to? Well, I think we ran the most plays out of Trey, and so we had a lot of checks that were out of Trey, uh, which was our 11 personnel. So I can I could probably say that that was my favorite to set up in. I think we have I'm, obviously I'm a receiver, so I, I was most excited about pass plays. Yeah. Um, when we went out in quads, which would have been our 10 personnel, we didn't have a huge variety of plays, and to be honest with you, I was a decoy on most of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, not your favorite, but no, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, everybody eats, but like, (laughs) I think 11 personnel was my favorite, especially because, you know, sometimes I'd line up at the three and I guess as this airplane passes over, uh, I'm actually out in the yard right now. There you go. Beautiful night. Um, Trick of choice. Chilly, but. Trick of choice is water. Did not realize that the, uh, airplanes fly fly that close to the (laughs) house here. Um, anywho. The other thing I wanted to talk about, I guess I could talk about in this segment, is numbers from in, in which you're aligned. And so the third receiver would be the three receiver to a particular side would be the third from the sideline. Yeah. So the one would be furthest out to the sideline. The two would, would split the difference. So those are those are also numbers that we used. Uh, I think every team uses those throughout every single team, um, throughout every single division and league. Yeah. But anywho, with the 11 personnel, I could line up at the three, so I'd be third inside right next to the tackle, and I could catch a bubble pass and, and catch a block from one of those uh, t- from a tight end. And so that, I mean, that's another reason why you have a tight end out there, so you're able to get going. Some rocket screens were fun. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, long answer there, but I, I prefer 11 personnel. No, I, I, uh, I love it. I think – as and I guess if you're looking at it from a coaching aspect, you really just got to play to your strengths, right? I mean, you know, you have a variety of teams out there who are outliers on some of these things. We mentioned the, the Eagles earlier; they're second in the league in 31 percent. They're running um, twelve personnel, and that's because they have two really, really talented tight ends, right? Back when the Patriots were out there working with, um, you know, Gronk before he got uh, hurt, and Aaron Hand- Hernandez before he um, went on a rampage they had uh, a lineup where they can run out there with two tight ends and do a variety of things because they were actually handing the ball off to Hernandez. They were both really versatile and diverse. So, I mean, you know, it, it really depends on your personnel grouping, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. We had um, we had a couple different looks when I was in school. When I was a junior, we had a really, really talented tight end, and so he was not coming off the field. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really need another tight end on the field, so we most more often than not went with our 11 personnel mm-hmm. so like as you just mentioned teams like the eagles who have two talented tight ends you're gonna come out in uh 12 a lot I mean, you can keep one in the block you can have one you know out on a split ready for a uh, quick screen pass the block out there you can just do so many things and i think like i mentioned before which is the most important piece of this all 
is that whatever personnel you come out with is not really tipping your hand one bit. You're not going to come out in 12 personnel mm-hmm. and automatically run the football. I, like point. I said, longer the days when you do that, do that. I mean, I think it's even works more to your advantage when you come out with two, three tight ends. And so the defenses now might be expecting, and they have guys that can't really cover the field too well because, you know, these are bigger dudes that are in there clogging the middle ready for a yeah. run. And then you open it up with the play action right over the top. So, yeah. A lot of ways to attack, a lot of ways to attack. In some other segment, and you hinted at this, we can talk about uh, the counters, right? We can talk about from the defensive end, which was uh, not your your area of focus in, in college, but uh, seeing so many defenses, I think you're pretty well uh, well versed in that as well. So we could talk about attacking it from the other standpoint in terms of defensive sub-packages, countering the offense, what types of groupings you want to put on the field to make sure you're doing what you got to do to slow down the offense. So I think we're going to try to do this every week. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out here. Um, I think we got everything off your chest that you wanted to do, right? Yeah, I think on a closing statement, I did want to hit on splits. I think um, a lot of – I mean, playing college receiver, mm-hmm. I took much more of an appreciation for splits. And what that means is your alignment out from how far you are from the um, offensive line and how sure. far you are from the sideline. It's very specific, and it all goes based on the hash mark. I think we used in college. It probably would be a little bit different in the NFL since the hashes are not as wide. Um, but it's just everything is just so fine details, and a single play could be thrown off by a split that's from a wide receiver or tight end that's just off by a yard. And everything is just calculated and studied for to work perfectly. And I, I see so many times, I kind of enjoy watching it. It's not great for the receivers. They're not going to enjoy it when they go into their film studies the next day. But, you know, so the splits that are too close to one another, where they end up in the same, let's say, mm-hmm. two yards outside the hash, they're both running right there. That's a win for the defense. Sure. You only need one player to cover two right there. Cover less real estate, yeah. You know, so I think um, watch out for that as you guys. I mean, just take, a, take more of an appreciation to all the fine details of the wide receiver. And it's just the offense. Um, things like that. Just look out for some splits for those of you that are listening. I mean, it's kind of cool to, to pay attention to that stuff and see if uh, receivers are properly aligned. And you can always tell by two guys ending up in the right space. Uh, same space yeah. is probably not supposed to happen. It's interesting, too. I think, you know, we were just talking about the Rams earlier, and I think they're a team that uh, we, we were talking about this, you know, with, with the sub packages. Is you don't want to tip your hand too much. I think the Ra- the Rams have actually – move their receivers into those bunch formations you see, you know, where you have two receivers on either side and they're really close to the line and you could run mm-hmm. a variety of packages out of that. A lot of people mm-hmm. run mesh these days, um, which is a certain concept where you have a lot of crossing routes in the middle of the field. Uh, you, yeah. can, you can run out of that. You can pass out of that. There's a lot of, a lot of variety, a lot of multiplicity to it. That's a, that's a good point. And I, and I think before we do close, I do want to make that very clear. At, I mean, there are certain designs where you will have two players in the same position at mm-hmm. once. You will have a player literally in the trail of another player, and then he's going to break it off at some point sure. when the other player continues. As you just mentioned, switch concepts do that a lot. Um, we had that at Muhlenberg. You know, you're just following right in the vapor trail of the receiver in front of you, and you're going to break it off. And the defender has is put in a bind. He has to cover one or the other. So there are plays, and you can tell. You can tell when it's supposed to happen, when it's not supposed to happen. But it is, it's very interesting. Um, I didn't realize it until I got to Muhlenberg. You're in a yard off your alignment. You're getting screamed at by the coach. You got to be. And we were watching a game, I think, a couple of years ago. Aguilar 
I mean, this is a little bit different, but he wasn't on the ball. You remember the guys on the sideline oh, yeah. on the ball? Yeah. I think it was a 50 yard screen pass. It went for a touchdown, but they didn't have enough guys on the, on the football. So there's so many details of, of alignment um, that you need to take an appreciation uh, towards. Yeah. Much appreciated, Nick. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, so we're going to have uh, plenty of content here moving forward. I appreciate you taking the time out. Yes, sir. Back to the studies. The last segment here is the install, uh, and, and Dan, you're you're running up against time here. So really quickly, looking ahead to next week, any games that jump out to you? Any fantasy performances you're looking to watch? Any any lines as a betting man that pique your interest? Well, as a betting man, they all pique my interest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one game I'm, I'm looking at is uh, Seattle Seahawks. They're yeah. minus two against the Cleveland Browns. Um, the Cleveland Browns just got curb stomped by the San Francisco 49ers. So um, another NFC West team. So I like the Seahawks minus two to cover in that game. It should be a fun game. Um, That should be a fun game. Yeah, we'll see if the Browns can bounce back. I think part of the reason the Browns are only two-point underdogs is because of their win against the Ravens, but they really haven't shown anything against anyone else, and the Seahawks are a pretty well-coached, disciplined team. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I uh, I, I always love the nine thirty slots, so I'm looking forward to Panthers at Bucks. Even though that's kind of a game, that's a I don't know, it's a division game. Should be should be interesting at least. Uh, Kyle Allen has performed pretty well for the Panthers. So, and the Buccaneers are up and down. Who knows what you're going to get with them? We have a poop bowl with the Redskins <laughs> at the Dolphins. The battle of the undefe- of the uh, of the defeated. So somebody's going to get a win there. And I think um, my other game to watch is going to be the Eagles at the Vikings. I think this might be one of the games, one of the games to uh, focus in on, you know, even besides us being Eagles fans. I think it's going to be um, super compelling. For both teams. Yeah. I think both teams, it's going to be a pretty big barometer for their year. But who, the Redskins-Dolphins game, it's going to be who's going to try to lose harder. I can't yeah. – I actually – I think that could be a very entertaining game to watch just to see how much the teams are trying to lose. It's insane. Tank for Tua. I, I would I would place a pretty hefty bet on the Redskins. I think uh, – I don't know what the stats are, but when you fire a coach, I feel like the teams are undefeated coming out off that week. Mm, Dolphins coming off a bye though. Got to think about that. I, I think I think Jay Gruden getting the can. I think that I think that trumps. I also am looking forward to the Niners at Rams. I think that's a, a, a interesting division matchup that should tell us a lot. The undefeated 49ers going in and playing the Rams in L.A. That should be kind of cool too. Yeah, I think that'll be. I think that will be the, the 49ers' first like test against a, a pretty good team. So and the Rams are coming off a close loss to the. To the Seahawks, where they lost on a, a kick at the end, so they'll be looking to bounce back, and then we'll actually get a better feel for how good this 49ers team actually is. Yeah, cool. Should be a good week. Uh, this was fun. Looking forward to doing this every week with you, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. No, this was a ton of fun. I'm not a I'm not a gambling man, but hopefully at some point I get to uh, I get to come on the uh, the podcast there. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Maybe you'd actually have some winners for us. <laughs> we need them. <laughs> what's the so What's the name of the pod? One more time. Yeah, so it's the gambling degenerates. Um, and you guys are so, on, you guys are on iTunes right now, right? Yep, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Okay. We have uh, Instagram as well. So um, if we and we're also trying to do a thing where we do have a lot of guests on. So we'd yeah. love to have anyone that's interested can just DM us. Slide in those DMs. I love it. Slide in those DMs. I
Pompin' like me.